may mix a few things here and there as I share some things. We'll see what the Lord wants us to do. But we started a, a little series here a couple of weeks ago, actually two weeks ago. And if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 6, I like to call these open-ended sermons because I say that to the Lord because He may take me in a whole different direction. It's open-ended, you know, so He can interject and say things that were not even planned to be a part of this. And usually that's what happens, praise God. But that's okay. It's a safe place to be when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Always leads us into green pastures. Hallelujah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, look at verse 9. The Bible says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards Him. We'll stop right there. Now we can see from this scripture here that God has eyes. And with His eyes, He is able to see everything that's going on in the entire earth at the same time. Now, we can't do that because we're limited. But our Father, our God, is able to see everything at the exact same time. Nothing escapes His attention. The Bible even says he, the Lord even knows when one sparrow falls to the ground. He even knows the very hairs that are numbered on your head. Hallelujah. You talk about an intimate God. Glory. Ooh, I'll tell you what, He's an intimate God. But the Bible says the eyes of God are looking throughout the whole earth. Would that include Pittsburgh? Yep, yes. So you could say today, because Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His eyes are running throughout the whole earth. For what reason? To show Himself strong on your behalf. Now notice, whose heart is perfect towards Him. Now notice it doesn't say he's looking for those that are perfect. That's really important to understand that. God is not looking for perfect people because if he were, his, end, his search would end like that. Because no human in the flesh is absolutely perfect. But you can have a perfect heart. Now what does that mean? I looked this up and it actually means a heart that's bent towards God. A heart that's bent towards God. Amen. Did you ever meet or have a friend or a relative that their heart is bent towards you? That they're, they show like more of an affection towards you than maybe somebody else? Have you ever had that before? Does that minister to you? You know, one of the things, one of the things the Lord revealed to me after I got home was His affection towards us. His affection. When something happens unexpectedly in your life, something happens that you didn't put in your daytimer, there's a tendency to kind of throw you off course. You know what I mean? You're like, what just happened? You know what I'm saying? And I, I went through that this, this past week. I was like, whoa. You know what I mean? I, I felt stunned. I was like, boom, I hit something, you know? But I'm still moving forward, you know what I'm saying? But I felt like, what just happened here? You know what I'm saying? And the Lord started talking to me about His kindness and an affection towards me. Amen. And I, 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 like, to be, I'm, I'm, I like to be affectionate with my wife. Okay? Right? And the Lord even showed me when I had our dog. Now, of course, my love for my wife is different than my love for the dog. Okay? One day... A couple years ago, I was laying on the floor with my dog, just loving on him, you know. And my wife, she walks by, she goes, she goes, man, you show more attention to that dog than you do me. <laughs> she was teasing, you know. <laughs> but uh, I had this little shelthy dog, you know, and, and uh, you know, a little miniature collie. And I just, I just love that little dog, I'll tell you. I know he's in heaven. I know that. And uh, there wasn't a day that went by, probably more than once, I was on the floor with him. Just rubbing on him, loving on him, kissing him, just, just, I don't know. And, and the Lord was, I never thought of it, but the Lord started talking to me about it. He goes, he goes, that did something for you, didn't it? I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, Keith, you were created for that kind of thing, for affection. And a lot of times people, 
never feel the affection of God because they never experienced it in the natural. You know what I'm saying? That you were, you were created for affection. Sometimes, sadly to say, people look at it in the wrong places. They're looking for that intimate affection. You know what I'm saying? I'm not just talking sexually, you understand, but I'm talking people are looking for affection, you know. The Lord is not just letter of the law, like obey my word, do what I say, or else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jesus was affectionate. You see in the Last Supper, you'll see, now, now John, the Apostle John, had such a revelation of the love that Jesus had for him more than the other apostles, although... The fact is, Jesus loved every one of them the same way. Right? right. Do you think he loved one more than the other? No, of course not. But John referred to himself two or three times. He says, I am the apostle whom Jesus loved. And it's like he had a, a unique revelation. You know, you had the 12 apostles. Then you had the three, which were Peter, James, and John. And then you had the one, John, who was the closest that, that outlived all the apostles, died a natural death of old age. They couldn't even kill him. They tried to, you know. But he had a revelation of how much Jesus, his, his epistles, First and Second and Third John, have more to say about the love of God than any other book in the Bible. Amen. Now, we know he wrote John, Big John, Right? For God so loved the world. But then you go over into his epistles and you'll find out that he, he, he talked about perfect love, casting out fear when you understand how much God loves you, you know. And, and uh, so the Lord, the Lord started talking to me a couple of days ago about allowing him to be affectionate towards me, for him to love me. Because sometimes we all go through a thing called life, Right? And there are certain things that we encounter, certain things that we face. And if we've never experienced the affection of God, the closeness of God, I'll tell you, we're going we're gonna to experience that like never before. Amen? I'm not talking ooey-gooey, weird type thing. I'm talking about where you really feel His love, right? And, 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 and some people, they can love in word only, you know. See, they can say, I love you, brother. Appreciate you, you know. But then there's other people that... They just, there's something about them that says, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. You know, and there's something more that comes out. You know what I'm saying? Boy, if there's anybody that's so full of that kind of love, it's God because he is love. Amen? And really perfect love, knowledge of his love for us is what eliminates fear. Praise God. And uh, something else that the Lord revealed to me. Um. And I never even thought about it. Because it's all about intimacy, right? I think one of the, th- the major things about what God's called me to do as a pastor is to teach people how to have intimacy with God. A lot of people don't have that. They don't have, because they never experienced it. Maybe they had parents that were not intimate. They were not, you know, affectionate and things like that. So it's kind of hard to relate that to a God that you never had in the natural but see, he can become the father and the mother that we never had. I can tell you that right now. He said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. Amen. But the Lord showed me something. He said, uh, he said Keith, most people think, I never thought about this. He said, we talk about the sufferings of Christ. I may hear that statement, the sufferings of Christ. Jesus suffered for us, right? But most people will only equate, and now I didn't know this until he told me this. He says, most people only equate my sufferings to the Roman whipping post, 39 lashes. He said, that was suffering. And then to take it a step further, right right after that, he says, most people equate the cross, the nails, as a part of my suffering. He said, that was part of the suffering. He goes, but that was not the worst of it. And I'm thinking, when he told me that, what, what else is there? He said, the worst part was when I was separated from God. In hell. He had never been separate from God. That's why Jesus cried out on the cross. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The most horrific position anyone could ever be in is being separate from God. That's the most horrific place you could ever be. 
But Jesus, the Lord told me this. He says, he says I suffered that separation from God so you would never have to. There have been times, you know, where I was in a, years ago, we were in a department store or something, and, and a little kid got separated from his mom or dad, you know. And I mean, you talk separation anxiety, you talk about, you know, a rush, <laughs> you know, where's my kid, you know. Like, I, I know one, one family that they, they lost their kid at Disney World, you know. Well, they found him, praise the Lord, but, you know, he was really young. And I said, man, thank God. They said, thank God we knew the Holy Ghost. We prayed in the Holy Spirit big time, you know. And, and, uh, but that, that separation anxiety like that, you know. And people without God, that's what they will experience that. But the good news is, is we will never have to experience that ever. Because there's never, ever one split second in your life as a believer where God is far from you. I won't even say he's next to me. That's too far. If he's next to me, then he's too far. But he's in me. He's in you. Amen? Glory be to God. And that, when you understand, when we walk in that, when we walk in that, no matter what, what shall separate us from the love of God? I saw this, and I was, he was referring this to me about in Romans chapter 8. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation Trouble, persecution, lack, peril, all these different things. He says, nothing shall separate us from God's love. In other words, those things will try to get us separated from those things that come against us. Try to put a separation between us and God. Like, oh God, you know. But he says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, hey, in all these things that come against us, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So the devil throws his best shot at you or me. And that's all he has. And you're left standing. And God is still there. Jesus is still there. Amen. When they were on the, when they were on the boat and they experienced the storm, they felt it. But it didn't make them sink. They thought they were going to drown. Thought they were going to die. Because they said this. Now, this is King James. He says, carest thou not that we perish. That sounds nice. Yeah. We would say, they're freaking out. Don't you even give a rip that we're going to drown any second. <laughs> we understand that. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what, I did a sermon one time. Is Jesus in your boat? If he's in your boat, you're going to make it. The storm may come. The winds may blow. The water may try to get in your boat. But if Jesus is in your boat, you will not go under. You will not fail. Glory to God. Amen. That's what the Lord was showing me the last few days. Glory be to God. The devil, when he messes with us, he's going to be sorry he even ever messed with us. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. In other words, a heart that is bent towards him. I made mention of the fact that, uh, let's go over to, Kelly, just go over to Psalm 53, verse 1. Let's take a look at this scripture here. It says, it's Psalm 53, verse 1. And the scripture says here, there it is. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abomination, abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Now notice the phrase there, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. A person, a man or woman that denies the existence of God is the fool among fools, dumb and dumber. <laughs> Amen? We were created to believe in a creator. We were created that way. So what constitutes a perfect heart? Number one, it's a heart that believes in God. Okay? 
Say a heart, a heart. that believes in God. Believes in God. Okay? Now, that's one of the things we do here in church. If you're here any length of time, you realize our, our, one of the missions we have is to teach people how to believe God, how to trust God, how to live. So many people just go to church and they do the church thing, but their lives aren't changed. But we serve a living God, a real God, an alive God. And He's real and He's alive. And He loves you and He's affectionate towards you. He's not just tolerating you, just putting up with you. He loves you unconditionally. So a perfect heart, number one, is a heart that believes in God. Or we could say believes in His Word. Thank you, Lord. So when pressure comes against us, there's always going to be a temptation. Do I believe God's real? Do I believe His Word? Doesn't that question come to all of us? Right? I mean, back in the Garden of Eden, way back, way, way, way back in the very beginning, when the devil came and tempted Adam and Eve, the phrase that he used, that he still uses today, hath God said. He came to Adam and Eve and said, do you really think God meant what he said? Hath God said? Because the serpent used, the, the devil used the serpent's body and said, you know, you can... Don't worry, God didn't mean what he said. He, goes, he knows that if you partake of this, you'll be just like God. They're already just like God. But he got them to think in an inferiority complex like they were missing out somehow. They were, but they were already created in the likeness and the image of God. There was nothing missing. There was nothing broken. But the enemy deceived them to think that they were missing out on something. And so the devil said, hath God Said, In other words, you can question what God says. All right? And that's what happens to all of us when the pressures of life come against us. The devil will say, do you really think God meant what he said? Do you really think that by his stripes you were healed? What about so-and-so? Amen? Praise the Lord. So what constitutes a perfect heart? A heart that believes God. Number two... Go to Proverbs chapter 3 for a minute. Chapter 3 verse 5. What constitutes a perfect heart? Now I'm kind of building a foundation here because I want to get into some other things as we move forward here. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Notice that. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Okay, so again, what constitutes the perfect heart? Number one, a heart that believes God or believes his word. It's the same thing. You cannot say, I believe God and doubt his word. Because his word, his word, he and his word are inseparable. You cannot separate God from his word. They're one. Okay? But the second thing is, What constitutes a perfect heart, a heart that's bent towards God, is a heart that acknowledges God in every situation. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Let me put it to you this way. In every situation in life that you face, good or bad, ask yourself the question, God, what do you have to say about this? You're facing some type of attack in your life, in your family or whatever. And you ask God, Father, I'm inquiring of you. What do you have to say about this situation? More often than not, the Lord's going to give you some chapter and verse and some scripture to help you. Amen? Glory to God. We were praying this past week and, and we have a good friend of ours that was praying for us, and they said, out of state, and they said, the Lord gave me this scripture, created me a clean heart, O God. Amen? Amen. That'll do it right there. Created me a clean heart, physical heart. Amen? Clean it out. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen? See, acknowledge God. When you acknowledge God, He'll tell you. You know, sometimes the scriptures will have a law of double reference. It can mean one thing. It could also mean something else. I heard about a guy one time that was in, uh, in the hospital, and the doctors said they need to amputate your foot. 
He had some kind of a problem with, uh, I think it was diabetes. And they said, you're going to amputate your foot. If we don't take it off, you know, here's the end result, right? He started inquiring of the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you have to say about this? He came across a scripture the Lord directed in the book of Proverbs. says, I will, I will not suffer thy foot from being taken. Now, that can be taken one of two ways. And see, that's the wisdom of God. He can take a scripture that mean, could mean one thing, but then turn around and slap the devil in the face with something else. He, he said, well, thank you, Lord. I stand on that scripture, and he didn't have to have his leg taken. He says, I will not ever hear that scripture. I will not suffer thy foot to be taken. Hallelujah. It's in Proverbs. Glory to God. And so uh, uh, the second thing about what constitutes a, a perfect heart towards God is a heart that acknowledges him in all their ways. Aren't you tired of stinking, dead religion? Religion that just, it's just formality, no life, no power, no glory, no presence of God. It's just a formality. There's no life in that. The Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives light, life. That's why it's so important to have a, a church that preaches the Word of God, but has the Spirit of God behind it, that believes in the power of the Holy Ghost that doesn't deny the power of God. The Bible says in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. What's part of that power? The baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. I would never step foot in a church, ever, because I've been to some, that deny the power of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. I wouldn't do it. Well, brother, they're good people. I know. But you need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need it. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I was talking to someone way back, you know, and they started going to this church, you know, years ago. And I happen to know a little bit about it. You know, we're not, we're not out to criticize churches or anything like that. But, but, you know, God is looking for your spiritual warf welfare, and I said, well, did you happen to look on their website? Did you see their tenets of faith? Did you see what they believe? Because most churches will have a tenets of faith like, here's what we believe. And uh, they're like, well, I never thought about that. I said, well, go on there and take a look at it because I happen to know some things. And they caught on and said, well, said, miracles have been done away with. Tongues have been done away with. They were reserved just for the apostles. I thought... You don't want to be a part of a church that like that. Are you with me now? We don't have, folks, we don't have time to waste. Right? Dead religion. That's called dead religion. They have a form, but they don't have the power. Okay? Glory be to God. And so uh, a fool hath said that there's no God in his heart. But smart people acknowledge God in all their ways. Now, don't get me wrong. When you face something, something come, you know, something hits you in life, you know, you may stand there a little bit, sh like shaken a little bit and rattled by the situation, but when the dust settles, you go back and you say, okay, Lord, I'm acknowledging you right now. You show me. You show me. You make, you show me what needs to take place right here. And when, when we do that, we take that posture. We take that spiritual posture. Some people have the mistaken idea that you go through life and you never have any problems. I never said that. When, well, the Bible school I went to never said that. They said, the scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver us out of them all. Amen. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Of course, you might go through some stuff. You might feel some stuff, you know. But let me tell you something. You're an overcomer. We're overcomers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that test can be turned into a testimony instead of a money. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. One time somebody said to me years ago, they said, I don't understand it, Pastor. You just went through what you went through, and you're a pastor. I don't understand that, you know. What's wrong with you? Well, basically, what's wrong with your faith? I thought, I would hate to be in your situation, and you just went through something like that, because that's, you don't ever want to look down your nose at somebody and, and judge them and say, you know, just because you were attacked means that you're not right with God. 
give me a break. Okay? Because when their back's up against the wall and something happens to them, they're going to need mercy too. Amen? Somebody said one time that the Christian army is the only army that shoots its wounded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, when somebody gets hit, somebody gets attacked, man, we're not there to say, what's wrong with your faith? What's wrong with you? What we need to do is surround them and love on them. Praise God and pray for them. Pick them back up. Because sooner or later, one of us will need that. Okay? And, if, and the other thing is, the other flip side of that too, is if you never went through anything, how would you ever identify to help somebody else? Some of you in this room, you've been through some hurtful type situations. And it, boy, you know, emotional things were involved and hurt was involved. But after a period of time where God's done a work inside your heart, when you come across somebody else that's in a similar situation, you know how they feel. You know the pain that they felt. And because of what you've went through and the compassion that's in you, you're able to reach down and help those people right where they're at. Not look down your nose and say, what's wrong with you? Where is your faith? <laughs> that never goes over usually very well with people, you know what I'm saying? But the Bible says in Jude chapter, I'm just kind of talking out of my heart here this morning. Is that all right? But in Jude, Jude the Lord said this. Jude said this. The Lord through him said this. He says, he says, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Amen. When I was, the first part of the week when I was in the hospital, the first time, there was a guy next to me, an older guy. And, um, man, he was a mess. He was, oh, just, just, he was just, in his 80s, he was just a mess physically. I don't know how much longer he had to live, you know, but, and um, it, it was like gross and nasty and everything you can think of. But my heart, my spirit, I was laying there and just compassion just rose up in me, you know. And I just, I just went over him just, laid hands on him, prayed for him. Tears were coming down his eyes, you know. And, uh, and did I feel like doing it? No. But I thought, I'm not going to lay here. Are you kidding me? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to witness, to minister. I'm telling you what, some male nurses, some female nurses, some other people, they got ministered to in that place. Amen? Glory be to Jesus. Because they're expecting people to come in there and all down and out and sad and discouraged. I wasn't at all. I was encouraged. Praise God, because I got Jesus on the inside of me. Amen. The resurrection powers on the inside of me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ooh, glory. Let's go to Second uh, Chronicles, the 16th chapter here. Now, we did look at a couple of these scriptures a few weeks ago, but I feel led to go back into them here. You ever do it, have a chance, look up the word affection or affectionate in the Bible. If you have a strong concordance, and let it take you through the whole Bible and see how many times that word is used and how it's used and where it's used. And uh, even the prodigal son, remember the prodigal son that, that left his father's house as a picture of a child of God leaving father's house and backsliding, going out into the world wasting his substance and riotous living and prostitutes and all this kind of stuff, you know. And the Bible says that when the prodigal son, the father had two sons, remember that, Luke 15? And the scripture says that, that the uh, son that left house and so forth, wasted all of his inheritance and so forth, he went out there and lost everything that he had and, and he said that, uh, you know, he got a, a job feeding pigs, <laughs> you know, he says even the, the pig's food started to look good to him. That's pretty low. But it, the scripture says when he came to himself, there comes a time where your son or your daughter or whatever, they'll come to their senses like, what's going on here? I didn't expect this, you know. He says when he came to himself, the father knew it. And the father prepared. That's his other brother got jealous. Remember that? He said he prepared a fatted calf, a robe, and a ring. And it says when he came, he ran after his son, and he, and he embraced him and kissed him. Everybody say affectionate. 
And Father, the new square window, what's wrong with you? Why'd you leave me? You had a better here, you know that. There are some people like that. But you see the compassion of God, the Father, he fell on his neck and he kissed him, he embraced him. And that's what God wants to do with us. I never saw this before until just the last few days ago. Sometimes we think God is so complicated. Religion is complicated, God, but you know what? He's very simple. Jesus is really simplistic. And it's not complicated. He just wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have a good time. Amen? He's not, look, like how many people have you witnessed to today? How many scriptures have you read? How long did you pray today? He just wants to have a relationship with us, fellowship with us, intimacy with us, because everything stems from that. Praise God. Everything stems from that. Now, I've been guilty just like anybody else, and you get caught up in the do's and the don'ts and this thing and that thing, and, you know, and preparation, put your day timer, you got to do this. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But what I'm saying is you don't want to leave out the most important thing in your life, and that is intimacy with God. Allow the Lord to love you. Have you ever tried to love on someone that didn't want to receive your love? They just kind of push you away? Have you ever had that happen? Anybody? You can only, go, you can only do it as far as they allow you to. Okay. Well, the Lord, more than anybody, wants to love on you. He wants you to feel that closeness, that knit closeness. I know this sounds very simple, but it's so powerful. Hallelujah. David Wilkerson, who, uh, anybody heard David Wilkerson before? You know, he went to New York City back in the 50s, ministered to gangs and prostitutes and the down and outers, you know, and had tremendous things happen. He wrote that book called The Cross and the Switchblade years ago. That movie changed my life when I was, a, I was a young teenager. It changed my life. And, and just see the, the love of God. And uh, Pat Boone actually played him in the movie. You know, you get the white suit on and all that stuff. Anybody ever see that movie? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an old movie. I mean, if you could go on YouTube, you could probably see it. But it's, it's, it's old. It's dated. But it's, it's, if you have a chance, it's really powerful. But he said this in reality, you know, uh, David Wilkerson said that one of the hardest people he had t ministering to was people that came out of prostitution because the uh, young girls that were sold and so forth and uh, went into prostitution, he goes, he goes, 99% of those came out of broken homes, bad homes where the father abused their daughters, okay? And he said they had the hardest time understanding a the concept of a loving heavenly father because they never had it in the natural so he had to really lean on God and lean on the Holy Spirit to help those girls because they never, in the natural, they never had that, okay? But he said through persistence and time and just loving them, he said that the Spirit of God began to break through in some of those people's hearts, those girls, and they began to understand for the very first time the concept of a loving father, not an abusive father. Praise God. God really meant for the home to be a, a, a perfect example of what the Heavenly Father's family is like. Amen? Glory to God. So, um, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12. You got that? Talking about King Asa. And it says that Asa was 30 and 9 years and his reign was diseased in his feet. Notice that. Until his disease was exceeding great. I'm not sure what the disease was. It was uh, pretty intense here. It says, yet in, yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but the physicians, and Asa died. Well, that's not a good result, right? Now, remember we talked about one of the things about a, a heart that's bent towards God is a heart that acknowledges God. Okay, It's like someone said, you know, some people treat God like a spare tire. The only time you think of a spare tire is when you get a flat. Do you ever drive down the road thinking about that donut in the back of your car? You know, those little spare tires? 
I never think about it. I don't think I ever, in my car now, I never even saw the spare tire. It's back there, but I, don't, I never looked at it. But I suppose, and I'm not going to have this happen, but if I got a flat tire, I would instantly think, well, there's a spare tire back there. There better be. <laughs> and so sometimes people, that's the way they treat God, like if they're, everything's fine, they, they're in control, they're doing their thing, but then all of a sudden, bam, they get hit in life, they get a flat tire, and they're thinking, I hope there's a tire back there. And sometimes that's the way people treat God. They, think, they don't think about God until their back's up against the wall and say, God, are you up there somewhere? Can you help me? You know what I'm saying? And thank God in His mercy, He will be there to help us. But that's not, the, that's not the times that we should just just be thinking about God. We should be thinking about Him, incorporating Him in the way we think, in our job, what we do. Amen. I mean, God wants to get, if you're a fisherman, you like to fish, get God involved in that. He knows how to catch fish. You ever, you ever, you ever read the Bible? If you're a hunter and you like to hunt, or if you like basket weaving, okay, whatever the case is. Some people like to knit, whatever, you know. Everybody's different. Everybody likes different things. That's okay. We're not all the same. God wants to get involved in every single area of your life. He's interested in those things. Believe it or not, He is. He's interested in every single thing. If you like to exercise, you'd like to do things, get it, God involved in that. Acknowledge him in that. Hallelujah. I like, I like to walk, especially now. <laughs> but I, I, I love to incorporate as a prayer time to take a walk, pray, seek God, fellowship with him. You know what I'm saying? And that way you're, you're mixing. It doesn't have to be separate, in other words. We can mix everything we're doing. If you like to cook, if you like to do that kind of a thing, Get God involved with that. He's interested in all those areas. You see? And all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path. Well, we see a guy here named Asa, King Asa. Whatever the disease was, got so bad that it threatened his life. But notice it says that in all of his time in diseases, he sought the physicians and he didn't seek the Lord and he kicked the bucket. He passed away. But what if he would have inquired of the Lord? What if he would have sought the Lord, not just the physicians? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with going to a doctor. I praise God for the doctors. But we, the first and foremost thing is you want to acknowledge God in every situation. If you're going to go to a doctor, you pray over that doctor. If you're going to take medicine, pray over that medicine. God will work in all those realms, I'm telling you. Some people say, I'll never use medicine. I'll never go to a doctor. Well, that's okay if they believe that. But you know, yeah, exactly. It's, let me tell you something. God will work through anything that you want him to get involved with. He will help. He'll make the medicine work better. The doctors will have wisdom. Their eyes will be blessed. Their hands will, if they're doing a procedure on you, they'll have the wisdom of God. And acknowledge him in those ways. And so uh, what we see here in conclusion, what time is it here? Ooh, we're almost out of time. Here's where I want to kind of leave off today and then we'll, we'll pick it up next week. We were meant to live life vertically, not just horizontally. Now vertically means up, right? Horizontal means across. Our horizontal... Life represents our relationship with one another. That's important, isn't it? But it, it's not just that. That's not where it ends. It starts vertically, horizontally. And the most, Kelly, get, rid of this, get ready for the scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus was the perfect example, more than anybody that ever walked this earth, of a man, God, man, that lived vertically, yet it affected people horizontally. Okay? We see these. I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures here, and we'll, we'll close out here today. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, before, and be, this is in the NLT, Kelly, if you could bring it up in the NLT. 
you have access to that? Okay, thank you. She looks so scholarly back there with those new glasses on, you know. <laughs> It's Mark 135 in the NLT. Okay, there it is. Okay. Notice this, talking about Jesus. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. You see that? Vertical. Now, Kelly, go to Mark 6, same translation. Mark 6, verse 46. One of the best translations, to, if you're reading through a Bible as far as understanding it more, the NLT, the New Living Translation, I think is one of the best for, for easy to understand. That's Mark 6, verse 46. It says, After telling everybody goodbye, he went up into the hills himself to pray. There it is again. I'll go to Luke, same translation, Kelly. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for what? Prayer. For prayer. Luke 6, 12. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up onto the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. There it is again. Lastly, go to Luke 9, verse 18 in the NLT. Luke verse, chapter 9, verse 18. It says, One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only His disciples were with Him. And He asked them, Who do people say that I am? Now here we have like five scriptures, you know, where it says that Jesus withdrew and He... These are all separate scriptures. He's, he withdrew and he got apart from the people and he went up to pray. Okay? Now, wouldn't you all agree that prayer is a vertical relationship with God? From earth to heaven. Okay? But you will find that in Jesus' ministry, it seems like he went from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer and did miracles in between. And that's why he would make statements like this. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing in John 15. He told his disciples and us today. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. As the vine and the branch cannot live separately. The branch, unless it abides in the vine, has no life, right? But if you cut off the branch, it has to, it's not attached to the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. And Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. But what I hear and what I see, that's what I do. Jesus showed us how to function in life to live vertically, which ultimately affects us horizontally. Amen? Now, I don't have time to turn to it, but you'll, I'll refer to it. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the relationship between husbands and wives and wives and husbands you know, it's all about relationships, you know. But Paul made this statement. He says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Praise God. I'm a husband, but if I don't understand how much Jesus loved me, I cannot love my wife the way he says. If I, if I have lack of revelation of how much Jesus loves me, then it will affect my horizontal relationship with my wife, with my spouse. Okay? But if, on the other hand, if I understand Jesus loves me, he is patient with me, he is kind with me, he never gave up on me, he's love, he loves me, he's always the same with me, and if I understand that correctly, then I'm able to translate my vertical relationship into my horizontal relationship, okay? But that way it wouldn't stop there. It would also be my vertical relationship with God affects my relationship with all of you guys, with everybody else that I come in contact with. Do you see what I'm saying? But so many times people try to 
just do the do's without the vertical. They're just trying to do the right thing with other people, and that can only, that can only take you so far. Correct? We were meant, we were born to depend on God. Oh, yeah. Sheep, we're, we're, the Bible says we're like sheep. We're referred to as sheep, but a, sh a sheep cannot survive on its own. That's one animal that cannot survive on its own. It needs a shepherd. It needs be, to be protected. And a shepherd, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And shepherd need, sheep need a shepherd. We're God's sheep, but he is our chief shepherd. And a shepherd does a couple of things. The shepherd will provide green pastures for the sheep. But also, the shepherd has a big stick. And when the enemies come out, Amen. You don't want to face a ticked off shepherd because he'll drive the enemies out because he's there to protect the sheep. I mean, stop and think about it. You look at uh, who's a shepherd you can think of in the Bible? Take a guess. David was a shepherd, right? Moses was a shepherd, too. He had his father in law, Jethro. Not Beverly Hillbillies, but and Jethro, his father-in-law, father he, he was a shepherd to his sheep. But David, I think, is one of the, <laughs> this is interesting. The Lord spoke to me sometime a couple of weeks ago, and I'll, we'll get into this as we get into talking about worship as a lifestyle, you know. He says, he said, Keith, do you know where David learned to worship and praise me? He said, in front of those sheep. He sang to the sheep. Love. <laughs> he practiced the presence of God on the backside of the wilderness desert with just him and his sheep. In fact, a good shepherd not only provides green pasture for the sheep, but he will go after the enemies. We know from the Bible on one occasion, two occasions actually, there came a line one day. Another day there came a bear. And they took one. Just say one. one. All right, so let's say there's 100 sheep. Jesus used that parable, right? And uh, a lion comes after and grabs one of the sheep, okay? His father's sheep, you know? David didn't just throw up his hands and say, okay, that's all right. Well, we just got one less, you know? He went after that lion. Amen. How many people do you know go after lions? <laughs> now you know in the natural that's impossible. One of the fiercest creatures, creatures on the earth. It had to be the anointing. There's no way in the natural that he could have done that. But the Bible says David ran after the lion. Grabbed him by the beard. <laughs> you know, like Duck Dynasty or something, you know. Grabbed him by the beard and slew him with his bare hands. Not even a knife. I don't know if he choked it or what. Then I don't know many people that can wrestle lions and win. <laughs> but this just shows you something about the heart. He was considered a man after God's own heart. Was he perfect? No. He made mistakes? Yeah, big time. His mistakes are written down so the whole world can see it, right? I'm glad that's not us, right? But yet God said, he's a man after my heart. David practiced. Here's how it all started. Now, he could have just gone through the motions and say, man, I'm so bored of being out here with these bunch of sheep out here. They stink. They smell. It's boring out here. There's no television out here. There's nothing, no cable, nothing. Just the wilderness. But you know what he did? Here's what made, here's what made David different. David had a heart that was bent towards God. He wasn't perfect, but he had a heart bent towards God. He began to develop and cultivate God's presence in the desert. Right? And the Lord spoke to me. He says, he, he sang to his sheep. I never thought of that before. He cultivated the anointing there. And when trouble came, 
And trouble came in. He said something came upon him and he rose up and went after that. I mean, how, else, I mean, how could you even chase a lion down? They're faster too, right? They could run pretty fast. But the anointing, I'll tell you what, will make you do the uncommon things. He slew that lion and recovered the lamb. Don't you know that that lamb was really thankful that day? <laughs> On another occasion, another day, a bear came. You got lions and tigers and bears, you know. And all of a sudden, a bear came. And again, they're ferocious, they're big, they're nasty. You don't want to mess with them in the natural, right? I've seen videos of people that have been attacked by, by uh, um, uh, grizzly bears and stuff. And man, I'll tell you what, they're just, man, they'll eat you for lunch. <laughs> You're like a snack, you know what I'm saying? But okay, a bear came, took another lamb, probably a different lamb, grabbed that thing, ran up. The anointing again came on David. He ran after, he ran after, chased that bear grabbed him, slew him. Not with a knife, with his hands. Delivered that sheep, that lamb, brought it back. Don't you know that lamb was very grateful and thankful. He was willing, to, David was willing to lay his life on the line for the sake of protecting an animal. Hallelujah. Now those, those sheep had a voice, they were pretty darn thankful. Amen. But he didn't just say, oh, well, okay, we've got two less. All right, we still have a few others. He, the anointing of God came on him. He had a heart that was bent towards God. And when you have a heart that's bent towards God, God will use you in a powerful, anointed way. And I tell you, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. If your heart is bent towards God, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. I don't care if you're purple. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. If your heart is bent towards God, His power and anointing will come upon you to slay giants in your life. And then lastly, you know, who did He face after that? Goliath. Almost... Well, they say about 12, almost 12 foot tall, a giant in Goliath. And uh, he had already proved the anointing with the bear and with the lion. He had already seen what the power of God could do. And then when he went down to bring bread and cheese to his brothers, on, he left the sheep back there and went over there to give, it says bread and cheese, that's pizza. Here comes the Domino's man. And he shows up, you know, and he's feeding them. And, also, and he gives them food, you know. He's got a servant's heart, right? His brothers. Now, he's the youngest out of all of his brothers, of course. You know the rest of the story. They started making fun of him. He said, who is this giant of a man? Who is he that defies the armies of the living God? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, this guy doesn't have a, a covenant with God. Hey, doesn't matter how big that giant was. He could have been 25 foot tall, 50 feet tall. That's not the issue. The, the fact is he doesn't have a covenant with God. He's not in covenant contract with God, but I am. And David understood that. And so he went after. He said, you know, he told Goliath, he said, you know, you're coming at me with a, a sword and a spear, but I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Amen. He says, I will take your head off today. Folks, listen, your words have to hit the giant first before you do something. And David's words hit that giant before he physically took that slingshot. Wham! Hit him right between the most vulnerable shot. They tell us that the Goliath was just laughing hysterically because a little 16, David was 16 years old, teenager, when he took on Goliath. And he's barely, barely old enough to get his driver's license. You know what I'm saying? And he says, Goliath was taunting. He would come out two times a day, morning and night. He would taunt Israel. And that says all of Israel would shake because of fear. He's a type of the devil. Just stay with me. I'm almost done here. Can you hang in for a minute? And, uh, but David, the Bible says David ran towards Goliath. He didn't run from him. 
He ran after him. He said, come on, man. He's talking smack to him. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? He's, his confidence is not in himself. His confidence is in God. He said, the Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. You know? Who wrote most of the Psalms? David did, right? They were anointed. When things were happening in his life, God would give him a psalm. He would give him scripture, anointed, praise God. He's the chief musician. David sang to his sheep. He sang before God in the wilderness. He wasn't trying to perform, put a concert on. One of those amphitheaters over there. You know what I mean? He was singing to the Lord. He was singing to God. There's a big difference between singing to people and, and ministering to the Lord. We'll get into that. Ministering to the Lord, blessing Him. Praise God. That's why it's so important that you physically demonstrate. When you come into church, you physically demonstrate. Don't just stand there when it's time to worship. Like, participate. Get involved. Worship. Maybe you're not used to doing that. Maybe it's uncomfortable. But let me tell you something. Something happens in your life and in my life when we take on the posture of we worship. I worship God because that's a direct correlation. What is in your heart? Because what is in your heart will manifest itself in the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So uh, our vertical relationship with God will affect our horizontal relationship with everybody else. Amen. I, I can't wait to get into the more of the meat of this next week. Praise the Lord. Let's just open our hearts for a minute and pray. Father God, we thank you. Oh Lord, we worship you in this place right now. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we praise you, Lord, today. We lift up your name, Lord. We thank you today. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We thank you this day, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> thank you, Lord. Know this, saith the Lord, there are no down days with me. There are no depressed days with me, saith the Lord. There never has and there never will be. And because you're in me, and because you live in me and I live in you, your down days are over forever. So see yourself constantly in me. For in me there's no depression. In me there's no sadness. And yes, even in me is no lack that can hold you back. Hold on to the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and all will be well. All will be well in your body. All will be well in your family. All will be well in your future. And all will be well in your family affairs and in your financial affairs, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For you see, it's been said in my word that days of heaven would be upon the earth. And so it is my will that you experience days of heaven, even today, days of heaven upon this earth. Know this, that heaven has already visited earth. For you see, heaven lives inside of you. If you're my child, which you are, then heaven resides on the inside of you. From this moment forward, you will begin to function differently. From this moment forward, you will begin to function with a new revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and the things that used to dog you, and the things that used to pull you down, and the people even that you used to get around will no longer hold you back again. Nothing. The chains have been removed. The bondages have been broken. And so today there's a fresh anointing for you to walk into a new liberty and a new freedom in your relationship with me. And you'll be so glad that you serve the Lord. You'll be so thankful that Jesus is your Lord. 
And you'll be so grateful even to tell other people, follow the Lord, follow his ways, follow his paths, for it's the best way to live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Best way, Pacasanito. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Should we ever think it's strange that God wants to talk to us like a personal, like, like what just happened? It's not strange, it's normal. Because the Lord always wants to speak to us, bring consolation, comfort. Because the enemy's always, let me tell you something, the enemy's always telling you the worst case scenario. He's always telling you the worst case scenario with your life, with your family, with your future. He's a liar. Amen. He's a thief and he's a liar and there's no truth in him. That God is the, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He always speaks the truth. And what he just spoke to us is the truth. Amen. Hallelujah.